Now you're going to make me cry. <laughs> I'm Karen, and I'm a guest here today. Aww. <laughs> I just said that because I wanted to be like Will, and that's what he said, and so I just stole it. Um, for those of you who are new, I've met so many who I knew, and we've had big hugs today, but for those of you who are new, my name is Karen, and I was on staff here until two years ago, and it really doesn't feel like I'm a guest. It really still feels like home, and the bridge will always be... Oh. The bridge will always be part of my family tree. I love you tons and have lots of connections. My start at the bridge was what I might call a sliding door moment. Can you think of a moment in your life which you might consider a sliding door moment? It's sometime in your life when this door just kind of opened and as you walk through, it changed or shifted the course of your life. I wonder if you can think of one. One for me was 16 years ago. I can only think of two, and this is one. When I was offered a place on the bridge staff, and although I almost missed the door completely, which is another story for another time, walking through that door changed my life, immeasurably. It was a significant sliding door moment. And there are so many stories I could share on the other side of that door, but one really significant one involves shape, and that's the series you're in. You see, when I, um, when I was invited into this position, I didn't have a resume, at least not a resume that I thought was appropriate in the working world. But very wisely and very astutely, Pastor Brian asked me to do my shape profile. I had no clue, none. So I bought the book, I googled everything I could find, and many hours later, my shape became my resume. Doing that shape profile was really a transformative experience in itself, but that was only the beginning. It was here on staff that I discovered so much about myself. I actually often comment that it was in these years, in this place, that I found myself. The place where gifts were affirmed and embraced, and passions were encouraged. But maybe, maybe more than anything, it was here that I came to believe that the personality God had given me could be a gift to the church. I thrived and I flourished and I grew emotionally and spiritually and my life was transformed forever. And that journey continues to this day. For those of you here, I want you to know that this is the best community I know of where you can flourish. 
And because of that experience, I'm really excited to take a deeper dive with you into the subject of personality. So here we go. Up until today, years old, well, you know, two weeks ago, years old, I used the words temperament and personality interchangeably. But I discovered that that's not completely accurate, and that actually set the course for the message today. So, a quick lesson for those that need clarity and facts. That's part of some people's personality. Temperament is this. It's our prevailing mood or mood pattern. It's inherited and biological. You're born with your temperament. It's permanent in its essence, and it's God-given. But then, personality. I discovered so much. I could not believe that I have taught this material for years and just found this out. The pa your personality is this. The patterns of behavior, thoughts, beliefs, dispositions, preferences, behaviors, and traits. Your personality is acquired. It's influenced by environments, by interactions, and even by biological factors, because your temperament is part of your personality. Personality is changeable. Hmm. Can't use that as an excuse anymore. And it's God-shaped. Now, if you are in a life group here at the bridge in 2020, 2021, you might remember the colors assessment. That was a temperament assessment based on the ancient four temperaments. I'm very high red, very high yellow, and hardly anything else. That might explain everything. Now, the assessment that you would find if you attended Discover Your Purpose here would be a personality assessment. It shows patterns and behavior, and it might change as we grow up and as we grow older. So, I am not apologetic at all that I am an ENFP. Any other ENFPs here today? Oh, see, they're never quiet. Yes, okay. I love when there's a room full because I feel like I belong. Now, love these assessments, me, or hate them, my husband. They help you understand you, and they help put the puzzle pieces together of knowing yourself. So the P of shape, is how you drive the car. This is your go mode. As I was sitting with uh, Pastor Brian before the service, he leaned over and he said, so are you feeling overwhelmed by all the people who wanna say hi? And I looked at him and said, no. And he went, oh yeah, I'm just projecting my personality onto you. True, true. My place, my preferred place is in the atrium. Not really on here, but I love to share this material. So your personality, it will determine how and where you use your spiritual gifts and abilities. Two people, both with the same gift, 
One extroverted, one introverted, will serve and use their gifts in very different ways, in very different places. Personality shapes culture. If I am leading a team, chances are it will not be a quiet, reserved team experience. Now, I'll have quiet, calm people on that team, which shapes culture by rounding out that team. I'll have analytical people, because we need a variety of gifts and personalities to get the job done. But the culture of that team will be shaped by my ENFP, let's do it, personality. Culture, personality shapes culture. There is no best personality. We are all God's favorites. He uses and weaves us together to complement and for us to work together. Personality is to be is used to serve and build up one another. I know you have heard this for at least three of the last four weeks, and it's true also when it comes to personality. Brand strategist Jay Danzi says this, your smile is your logo, but the rest of the quote goes like this, your personality is your business card. How you leave others feeling after an experience with you becomes your trademark. And personality affects the impact of your serve. We might be serving in a role where we are utilizing and optimizing our spiritual gifts, uh, our passion, our abilities, and maybe even in the space where our, where our personality can shine. But it can also be overshadowed when we compromise and lean into the not-so-good parts of that personality. Our character can destroy our competence. So, if gifts are to be discovered, developed, and deployed, then our personalities are to be shaped, molded, and transformed. Mike Foster, the author of a couple of books, one being The Rescue Academy, has a great diagram that helped explain so much to me. At the very core of every single person, at the very, very center is the image of God. In his image, you are created, Genesis 2. You cannot change that. We are God's image bearers. And then there's another circle around that core, and that's our core identity. And that is that we are beloved. We are so deeply loved by God. There's nothing we have done to deserve this, and there's nothing we can do to deny it. I find, and this is, I think this is true of so many of us, it was true of me, we know this in our head, but it has to make its way to our heart and then out through every aspect of our lives. We could go there for a whole sermon, but we'll move on. Outside of that circle, the next circle, is our uniqueness. This is our strengths and our gifts 
and our passions. This is where everybody is a little bit different. Now, knowing that you are an image bearer of God, knowing deeply that you are loved and valued by God, and knowing that he has wired you uniquely and perfectly, you now know that this is your true self. I think it was Augustine who said, to know God is to know thyself, and to know thyself is to know God. This holds. These three concentric circles hold everything that is true about you, your unique blueprint. This self is real and authentic and cannot die. And this is all enclosed within our skin and within our soul called our bodies. Richard Rohr, author of many books on this subject of our true self, says, our unique little bit of heaven is installed within the product by the manufacturer at the beginning. But you and I both know that it's not always heaven to be around you or I. And the reason? Well, the reason is that we don't fully live from this true, true place. We have to learn to live from this true place. But what we live from a lot is called a false self. And our false self is all the things we pretend to be and think we are, but make our own. This false self has been developing since our childhood and it wasn't, it, it, it wasn't harmful then, it was actually the way that we learned to navigate and protect and center ourselves in our environments. But we increasingly internalize the values of our family, of our society, our culture, our faith, and some are good, and some not so much. We've come from families with unspoken family rules that we have lived by, rules that say you don't show your feelings, you don't ask questions, you don't rock the boat, but is that really true? We come from faith traditions that have skewed and misinterpreted the truth, but we have believed it as so. We might have been criticized or ignored or misunderstood or even abused, and the basis of how we functioned is gradually formed. And so what have we done? We've adapted to seek the approval of others. We have mimicked because we covet someone else's life. We need to be needed to feel valued. We blame instead of taking responsibility. We have accommodated and numbed to cope and protect ourselves and our image. We come from families and cultures that value wealth and honor and status, and so we have accumulated degrees and wealth and letters behind our names to prove that we're good and worthy. But we have nothing to prove. 
We build a world to measure our worth and determine whether we are good enough, smart enough, successful enough, adding layer after layer, but this is just a really poor cover-up. When we don't let go of this false self, what began many years ago to protect you becomes like a beast that keeps demanding more and more. And this leads us to places we really don't want to go. I don't think we wake up every morning and go, oh, I'm just going to give everything I've got to this old false self. But it leads us to addictions of every kind, to codependency, overfunctioning, people pleasing, disconnection, perfectionism, lust, pride, vanity, arrogance, selfishness. But these things are not who you are. This self is outside of those circles of your true self. You are not your dysfunction or your addiction or your false self. But it's this false self that, which we have come to rely on and it's become very comfortable, but it's not very reliable. All the ways we look for love, acceptance, worthiness, belonging, we look in the wrong place. It separates us from God, it divides ourselves, it creates chaos in our lives, in our relationships, and Jesus would have called it the self that has to die. It becomes the sin in ourselves. The Apostle Paul, who always instructs us in the way of Jesus, says, but that's no life for you. You learned Christ. Oh, excuse me. You learned Christ. My assumption is that you have paid careful attention to him, being well instructed in the truth precisely as we have it in Jesus. Since then, we do not have the excuse of ignorance. After today, nobody's ignorant, okay? Everything, and I do mean everything, connected with that old way of life, with that false self, has to go. It's rotten through and through. These are not my words, folks. These are in Scripture. Look them up. Rotten through and through. Get rid of it, and then take on an entirely new way of life a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. New life, your true life. Many of us think that all we have are these external costumes, these external masks but when we put on the glasses that give us the eyes of Christ and the mind of Christ, we have new sight. We begin to see and believe that the buried gold within us, our true self, is really where we want to be. And so we choose to begin shedding the layers of false self 
And as we see and experience the gold, all the rest begins to look so unattractive and uninteresting. The journey to our true selves is not created, but it's rather discovered, uncovered, maybe recovered. And a first step towards this is to become more self-aware. Reflect on the movements of your heart. As you heard some of the things that I've spoken this morning, what was happening here? Reflect on those things. Check your actions and reactions and your responses and ask yourself, what's going on? Slow down enough before you respond because chances are it's not out there but it's right in here. Ask yourself, where did that come from? Admit it was not the way you want to be. Check the motivations for the decisions you're making, for the yeses that you're giving. You know, we say yes to a lot of things that God never intended for us to say yes to. And why are we saying yes? Why are we making the decisions we're making? Are they out of fear? Fear of disappointing someone? Fear of disapproval? Fear of upsetting the peace? Are you living for someone else's or someone's approval other than God's? Or are you coming from a place of knowing that you're deeply loved by God and you have Nothing to prove. This has become my mantra in the past couple of years. I have nothing to prove. Jesus has proved it all for me. Get really, really honest with yourself and with God. It's not a quick fix, it's a lifelong journey. We won't get there until we reach the other side of this world. For some, there are layers upon layers that require some really hard work. And I know that many of you are doing that hard work. Keep going. Do it. It's worth it. Find a good counselor if you have to. And find a safe space. Find good friends who will remind you of who you are and whose you are. Friends who will see through your falsehood and point you in the direction of Jesus and new life and your true self. We need to unlearn a lot to get back to that foundational life your real life, which the Apostle Paul says is hidden in Christ, with Christ, in God. So where does P fit into all of this? P for personality. 
Well, your personality is the billboard of the self you are living from. Your personality, whether you want it to or not, displays your values, your beliefs, your character. It is the outward-facing expression of you, the persona you share with the world. And I use that persona in a, in a good way, not a masked way, but it might be. So what is displayed on your billboard right now? What does that big sign over the 407 say about you? My billboard is not always the marquee God would desire for me. I used to think that my personality just needed to have a softer side. I just needed to quieten it down, kind of temper it. Or maybe I just needed to be more like someone else. And so I set out to learn more relational skills and more leadership skills. And now these are good tools. These are tools and tricks that are really important because they help us love at least better, if not well, in the gap of our false self. And so keep learning those. They, they help us. But I came to realize that my personality, how I interact with the world, is just really the monitor of what's happening in me, of what's happening within. And the miracle of life with Jesus is that he changes us from the inside out, returning us back to his dream and his likeness. Really, real significant transformation. You and I, we don't need to be held hostage to our personalities any longer. He has so much more for us than that. There's a classic saying that people don't remember what you do, but they do remember how you made them feel. What's it like to be on the other side of you? If you're not sure, just ask those closest to you. They certainly know. Parker Palmer, an author and educator, head of the Center for Courage and Renewal, says this, if we are unfaithful to true self, we will extract a price from others. We will make promises we cannot keep, build houses from flimsy stuff, conjure dreams that devolve to nightmares, and other people will suffer if we are unfaithful to true self. But let's flip that over. Because that's the good news. The flip side of that is the really good news. And I wonder what happens when we live God's way. What does living to our true self really look like? Well, I'm so glad you asked. He, meaning God, brings gifts into our lives. 
much the same way the fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. That's Galatians 5.22. The fruit of the Spirit, which is living in you. Write that down. Look at it when you get home. Galatians 5.22. And that, my friends is what Jesus promised as more and better life, full and free, nothing like it. In her book, Emotionally Healthy Woman, which has become my constant companion in the last two years, uh, uh, Jerry Schizero, who wrote the book, and her husband, Pete, just have amazing, amazing principles for moving from your false self to your true self. And in this book, Jerry Schizero tells the story of Michelangelo's Sistine Chapel. This chapel is one of history's greatest artistic triumphs. From 1508 to 1512, the artist lay on his back and painted the ceiling with incredibly beautiful, intricate images. However, they started to fade almost immediately after he painted them. And within a hundred years, no one remembered the original colors. In 1980, a scaffold was erected and plans made to clean the ceiling of this masterpiece. The director of the restoration project did a critical experiment using a special solution on one or two square inches at a time. A slow process. For the next 12 years, they cleaned the entire ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. No one expected or anticipated the results to be so stunning. No one realized Michelangelo was such a master of color. Beneath the centuries of grime and dirt, passionate colors lay buried. For the first time in over 450 years, people could view the masterpiece as it was originally intended in all its color and beauty. You, you, each of you, are God's masterpiece. He has shaped you magnificently. Your colors are glorious. They're is evidence poking out through the cracks. Evidence 
of gold in your core. You're worth far too much. You're worth far too much to God to let yourself get buried beneath fear, uncertainty, confusion, lies. You are much too valuable to God, much too worthy to live in something far less than what God has for you. Life is not a matter of creating a special name for ourselves, but of uncovering the name we already have, that we always had. The colors of your true life are truly stunning, whether vibrant pinks or muted greens. They are the work of the master artist. And to uncover these is God's dream for you. Let's shine that the world will know we follow a good and beautiful God. I would like to close with a prayer and a benediction before we sing again. And I wondered if you would stand with me. I've learned that when my body responds, then my heart and my mind often follow. And so if God has your yes, if, if you want God's dream for your life, then, then maybe if you feel comfortable, there's no pressure, just put your palms up as a yes to God and a yes to receiving his blessing. This is one of my favorite blessings in all of scripture. It's from the book of Ephesians. And this is Paul talking to that church, but this is me and my heart talking to the Bridge Church. When I, fought, when I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through, the spirit, through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide and how long and how high and how deep his love is for you. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete. You will be made full and whole 
with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now, all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or imagine. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen and amen.